This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be What's up, vlog? Uh, as you guys know, if you're really paying attention, I haven't been investing a whole bunch the last 18 months because I think consumer web app, mobile app, you know, next Twitter this or the Uber that or the Airbnb of this or the Uber of that, like just boring, a lot of fake entrepreneurship. But one place where I see huge white space, as you guys know, is voice. And so I took this trip to Seattle to the Techstars uh, voice kind of Amazon Alexa incubator, people that are building on top of the uh, Alexa skill platform uh, and obviously they'll be building on top of Google Home and Apple HomePod as well. That to me is the white space and so this talk is intriguing. A little different look, uh, gives you a little bit of my different mindset of kind of how I'm thinking about entrepreneurship and uh, and the white space of complete platform shifts, not the white space of the nuances within a platform like social media. So uh, really excited about it. Hope you enjoy it and uh, I'll see you soon. <laughs> so let's kick it off. Real, real pleasure to be here, thanks for having me. Uh, and even long before social, I launched an e-commerce wine business in 1996, right? So basically the story of my life has been pretty much more intuitive of what I think people are gonna do, not super data doubt, not super scientific about it, just kind of on my gut intuition. So actually taking it way back as a kid, I made a lot of money selling baseball cards and the first time I really remember this happening was I was at a baseball card show, a normal thing that I would do in my junior year of high school, and for some reason, I just didn't like the way the room felt. Like just, it wasn't that I was calculating how many people were showing up or how much money people were spending. I just didn't like the way it felt, and literally within a month, I'd sold my entire collection and poured all that money into comic books and toys, and that was right. And basically, intuition in the wine business that I grew up with, you know, around, Oregon and uh, you know South American and South African wines and so that's always been my my place and those spidey senses are completely off the charts in this space and to be very honest with you it's not I'm I'm not Nostradamus these spidey senses are off to the races for you there's people that have been doing this much longer it just to me I like to get into a very specific time in uh, the lineage of a space. I'm never smart enough or scientific enough to get in super early. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, As entrepreneurs, as you guys are, um, I think there's times to get in super too early. For example, in parallel, in our world, there's a lot of people tackling consumer VR and think like that's going to be super remarkable and for me, that's still too early to be at scale and I think a lot of people are gonna be not practical and waste a lot of money and time and I just think it's further away before everybody's doing it. And so the things that I'm seeing in this space is it feels that I just can't wrap my head around a world in America for sure and other parts of the world where in 48 months not everybody's doing this. And so that's when it gets good. That's when it gets practical. And I'm also intrigued because I think I've personally learned, I'm sure you as entrepreneurs and innovators have learned, we've learned a lot about building on top of systems, whether the Apple ecosystem, things of that nature. So it's gonna be interesting how this all transpires. Um, but for me, it's just, it's time. It's time for me to get educated. It's time for me to make bets. It's time for me to make things. Uh, it's time for me to come and spend, you know, in a world where I'm hacking every five minutes, you know, I wanted to schlep here and I'm thankful for the opportunity to hang with you guys and gals and so, um, it's just, in, in the Gary, in one human being's personal radar, it's now just a matter of time and if 
the biggest thing in this room, especially what, if I get luxury to spend some time with you guys individually, to me it's just about staying alive until it gets good. The biggest thing that I think you will get caught with and I've seen over and over is are you running it practically? Are you at the mercy of VC or this incubator or anything else? Are you at the mercy of anything over the next 36 months? Are you capable of understanding what it takes to do over the next 36 months? Because you're right. Like, you're 100, your brain is 100%, you're 100% right. Now there's just two variables. Can you be there when it happens? And is there somebody else that can do the same thing better than you? That's it. And so I think that's great because I don't think there's a lot of spaces in the world that look like that. So I think you've won the bigger part of the bet, which is the global strategy of what you're gonna do with your time and your life. Now it's about those two variables. That's, that's what I would be spending all my time on. That's what I do spend all my time on. Are there any specific moments where you, know, you either had with a voice assistant device or you watched someone else have that, that kind of like clicked in your head in terms of, oh, whoa, whoa, this is gonna become something? No, nope. Nothing like that. Um, you know, I kind of was watching and knowing and seeing and got got a device and saw other people had a device. There was, you know, there was no magic moment. Um, to me, I only believe that there are only a couple things that matter to people: health and money and religion. And I think time is way up there. And anybody who can't put the pieces together to understand why voice and time are a really interesting variable, um, are just missing this whole point. So it's inconceivable to, to me, anything. Uber, I passed on Uber twice in the angel round. Tra- you know, if you, go, if, if you go open my first book, the only person I thank besides my family is Travis, who were really good friends long before Uber. You know, I didn't invest in it. And when I did, that I did have a moment. When he came to New York to ask for some help to think about how to launch New York as a second market, my brother AJ and I were meeting with him and he's like, hey, we've got like a Tess Alpha car in the market, can you try it? And AJ ordered the Uber while we were in the, there was something, I don't know why that hit me, but there was something that didn't happen to me in San Francisco that AJ being in a high rise in New York, hitting a button and it like saving that time made me realize that day that Uber was selling time, not selling transportation. So. That's when I started getting really crazy about time. I'd always been about lack of friction and things of that nature, but because all the way back in 2010, 11, time got crazy important to me, when the voice thing started becoming more on my radar, I mean, it's just such an incredible play. Um, And so there was no one thing, but it was just the complete passion of how do we save people time? People always pay for time. Time will always win. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one thing that all the companies in here have been, been looking for, right, is that what is that magic moment with these platforms that gets people to actually you know, have those, that, that, that click, that like this is the new way of doing it. So I would, I would go about it a little bit a different way, you know, if that's a conversation you're having. I think the people in here that will succeed are the ones who spend no time on that. I think you just need to basically like, that sounds like debating things that mean nothing to me. Meaning, do you believe that every single fucking person is gonna have a device in their home in 48 months? And I think that answer is yes. And so then, who gives a shit what moment, what commercial, what app does that? What, you know, to me it's cool. I've assumed that to be true. 
how do I create what I want to create in that truth and how do I make sure that I'm there? And as you kind of look at the parallels of that happening, I mean, a lot of times people try and draw it to you know, when, when the iPhone first came out and so many people have these devices um, you know, in their pockets. And the first things that happen there tend to be games, entertainment. As you think about the use cases that, the future that you get excited about, what, what are those? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm very, very excited uh, on a couple of things that are personal. I, I just, how many people here know somebody that's really into wine? Raise your hand. Perfect. So when somebody gets just a little bit of wine knowledge, they become a straight douchebag. <laughs> so I've been on a decade journey to like demystify wine. I'm really excited about you know, the idea of people being able to be at home and tasting wine along with me and being educated and learning. I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I love the idea of people learning how to fix their car motor because there's an expert right next to them. So the expert space excites me a lot. Like that, that when you really play it out, the chess moves, when it gets that sophisticated, we're gonna be able to have that communication. I think that's super fascinating. Uh, I think you guys are thinking about that right if that's the conversation. I think we, there's complete pattern recognition into what things play first. And I do think what you're talking about is called, in my mind, escapism, right? Something that like takes me away from the fact that the world is difficult or, or my personal world is difficult. And that's entertainment and gaming and things that just take me out of my real life. Those are always very fruitful first places to play um, because A, you have a creative set of people who are usually playing. and um, So yeah, I could see that. But I do think the expert space is intriguing. That the person that makes the first app that is really you know, uh, advanced and can really help somebody either really learn something, cooking, you know, this is why I love IP. Like, I'd love to be owning Julia Child's IP right now, right? You could do something really remarkable, and I'm sure her family never thought years ago that it'd be deployed against a voice infrastructure and she'd be helping the world learn how to make souffle. So, last one for me, so get, get your questions ready. There is no one from Amazon in the room currently, but when you look at the different platforms and Amazon, yeah. Who do, you, who do you think has the advantage here? Why thought about that? Yes, yeah, so this is the great part about filming everything you fucking do. Uh, um, I've, I've only been really aggressively booed on stage and I curse and I'm crass and I'm, I'm a lot of things that people don't like at times on stage. Um, but the only time I was really aggressively booed was at South by Southwest when I said that Jeff Bezos was better than Steve Jobs back in like 2010, 11, um, like <laughs> bad. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm a very big, big, big Amazon fan. I just think you know only the government can really stop him. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I, I think they're gonna really play. Uh, I'm less confident that Google and Apple are gonna be great at it. I really am. And then, and then it'd be cool, you know, to, I, for me. For me, it would be really cool if there was somebody who emerged uh, that doesn't exist, or we don't. Or you know, it'd be really cool for me. I like that Nintendo started as a playing card company. Wouldn't it be neat if one of these big conglomerate, big companies finally realized that they should be putting themselves out of business instead of letting somebody else do it, and took all those dollars they had and bet it on where the world's going? So like, why couldn't BMW be a player? They could. They're just not built to do that, but that would be rad if somebody got smart. Turn it over. Who wants to uh, wants to dive in first? 
Yes, sir. What's your name? Uh, Brian Donovan. Brian. Plain impossible. Real pleasure. Uh, and by the way, Brian, I apologize, but for the whole group, also like I've done a lot of investing. Like if you want to go on the business side, not just on the creative side of what you're doing, feel free to raise your hand. Go ahead, Brian. So, uh, topic is surviving after six months. Yeah. Um, and you like that thesis? How's that? Is that a good thought? Like, do you do you see that? Well, as a topic, and one of the things we've been doing here in the cohort is really sharpening our, our measurement skills. Okay. You know, right now, like over the 90 day period, you know, what are those kind of three categories of things that you're going to measure yourself week over week? Um, you know, leading towards end of that, you know, demo day coming up. Yes. And then we push out a little further and surviving to those three, six months. Gets harder. It gets harder, right? There's only a couple things I think I understand, and this is one of them. I am stunned by the fact that most people build financial arbitrage machines, not companies. Just spending all their fucking time thinking about how to do things to make the next fundraising event happen so they can stay alive. I think, I think startups in today's environment, 10 years of good times since the bad era of the economy are way too fucking fancy. Like, why can't you have a service business? Like, why couldn't you hire two people instead of two less developers, which will take you nine months longer to achieve your tech goals, but you could hire two people who could do client work or consulting for companies so you had cash coming in. There's a binary decision in advanced technology companies that are startups that the way it's done is you raise capital, you burn through it, you raise capital, you burn through it, and you have your event, right? You either become a profitable company, you sell. The fact that there's no practical parallel of, well, what else could we be doing like what if there was no venture money? Like what do you think happens when the markets collapse? These companies figure it out. When you're as lucky, you guys aren't mobile or social companies. You're playing in a new field. Nobody knows anything about it. Which means that there's an enormous appetite from leaders to pay for a knowledge transfer. And so my biggest thing is first of all, forget about the people you surround yourself, you guys. Everything's your fault, you're the founders. You need to be in charge of having a real structured strategy to how to stay alive. And everybody's rushing to make the product or do this thing. And to me, it's like give up six months on that to do something that's making you practical dollars along the way. That's just something nobody ever wants to talk about because everyone's so fucking fancy, Bri. You know? Everyone's fancy. Like, and I just think that's stupid. I also think it's compoundly stupid after nine years of good economy. You know, like, I mean, the only thing that I think makes me not think that the markets would collapse in the next three years during this era is that I think we have a president who would do anything to manipulate the economy not to fall during his time. Other than that, I mean, this is a long run of prosperity. And, and nobody's running businesses like they're businesses because there's artificial dollars in the system. There's incubators, there's all this shit. So. I would think about how to not waste money and how to make money along the way while achieving your business goals. And I know that that's just not the kind of talk that's going on in our world. That's awesome. Yes, sir. What's your name? It's Alex. Alex. Uh, from Sensible Objects. Do you see so speakers, smart speakers going in the homes real quick? But voices across a bunch of other platforms, you know, you can get it through your TV. Yes. 
I agree. Do you have a view on whether the like penetration of smart speakers is going to peter out and where it's going to get subsumed into something else? Like, do you, where do you see voice? Yeah, that's with a speaker from a speaker standpoint. Like, so for example, do you know who I think should be making the single biggest bet in this space? The Toll Brothers Construction Company. I mean, every home built going forward should have an upcharge, huge profit margin for them, where they're like, you don't need those speakers, it's just in, right? Security systems, right? The, the people that secure your homes, things of that nature. So yeah, I'm not, I'm sure there's, I haven't done the homework on this, I'm sure there's clearly an intriguing window for the hardware in that form, but I think that's commoditized and there's a lot of things that can deliver that and I do think that that's dangerous other than if you have great tech that can then be put into a wall or bottled water or what have you, but like as a consumer facing speaker play, I think there'll be a window, but over time that gets commoditized. So you have to, I don't love when you have to nail not only all the things we just talked about, but then the macro consumer behavior and uh, moment as well. That adds another layer of timing, which usually forces you to be less patient, which is what I was talking about, right, Brian? Like now you're forcing it because you know, shit, we've got 24 months before, right? So yeah, I would, I, I'm far more bullish on the people who have got the tech or the infrastructure around what's making it sound great more so than the physical product. You know, I think that just plays out, you know, right? I mean, Amazon's, Amazon and everybody else should be making a smart refrigerator that has speakers built into it so that not only is it in fully penetrating your kitchen, but it's reordering every product for you once you've used up a percentage of that product inside the refrigerator. So you mentioned at the start of these spaces, there's a, you know, an opportunity for startups like the ones we have here to, to work with a knowledge transfer to some of those larger organizations. Yeah. But there's also another thing which some of these companies are starting to experience too is that these larger companies who don't understand the space are thinking, are you acquisition targets? Um, and you know, how, how would you kind of advise them to think about you know, sticking it out the long run? Do you take a quick win? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think the cool answer to that question is that's very specific to you, right? There's no right answer to that. What I love, as you were talking, like, fuck, that, I should have brought up that point too because that doubles up the reason why to be practical and have a parallel service business that's bringing you revenue in because it's probably the gateway to a more significant acquisition opportunity because they get to lease before they buy and understand that you're smart and you get it. And we've seen through the history, if you're, if you're here to make, a, make that financial nut, you know, the amount of AccuHires, we've seen some, ungod- I mean, we saw in social ungodly exits where the guy or the gal was getting bought. Um, <clears throat> I think that actually doubles up why I think you should go in, but like it's up to you. If, you, if Coca-Cola, you're doing a project for them in parallel while you build your thing and they want to offer you $7 million, I mean, that's just, or 70 or, or 7 billion, I mean, I think that's, I think at 7 billion, a lot more people here go for it. Um, <laughs> I think, I think the punchline there being is everybody here has their own circumstances. You know, for me, at a, a, a long, long, long time ago, far less money than I have now, that was the money I wanted to make. Then it became about legacy and like, hit, you know, playing the game and a lot of different things, right? Not, some people want to amass dollars their whole life. Some people want 
don't want to have a, don't like the idea of earning out for three years because they think, I, I would be very empathetic if I became best friends with everybody here and a year from now everybody gets an offer, I, I could really see that tough decision of like, fuck, this is life-changing money and this is my, you know, this would be helpful for me, um, but I'm locked up for three years and fuck, these next three years in this space, they're so fruitful. So I don't think there's a one size fits all and some people have student loans and sick parents and you get into a million variables. Um, they both work. The amount of people that said no in the web 1.0, web 2.0 and social bubble and ended up with dick shit is a lot. The amount of people that said yes, Instagram and others, could have gotten a lot more. Bebo's super happy they sold for $850 million to AOL. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, I, uh, I, uh, I think there's a lot of ways that goes. I think that's where you go, that's where you, I get really worried that mentorship is, mentorship's so important, but it can be substantially overrated because mentors tend to love to give the advice that they lived through or they, they don't contextualize all these human variables that I just brought up. So the answer would be all of them. However, I'm a big fan of options. So I sure love the idea of you making money along the way that also led to an M&A opportunity. It's a lot more fun to have options than not. Well, I'll take this one then. Okay. Going. Um, so, you know, a lot of what you've done over the past you know, decade or so in social, recognizing how this was gonna change uh, customer service, customer experience, and, and you know, require more authenticity. Um, you know, rather than necessarily just talking about it with voice, I'm just curious how you kind of came to a lot of those conclusions and navigated those and built your businesses around that. You know, it's funny, I think we all, right, like your experiences lead to everything. I grew up in a retail liquor store, and I would tell you that voice, I can already make the pieces all the way backwards to it. Like, customers don't like waiting in line. Nobody likes friction. And retail's a real good place because it's one thing if you're a UI, UX data nerd and you're just looking at it. It's a whole other thing when you see the person's venom in their eyes. And it, it got ingrained in me so early on. Uh, and, I'm a, and I'm a depth versus width guy. Even though I love width and it's why I do so much of my shtick, it's still the depth. It's always the depth. So, you know, I, what I knew about social was what I knew about email. I early, it's just experience, pattern recognition. Early email, I bought a ad on luxury.com's email newsletter. They had a million emails newsletter. And like they proved, you know, this is what's fun about being old. This stuff used to be wild. Like, you have a million email? It was like, you know, like it was crazy. I paid a fortune, like we were such a small company. I think it was like five or $10,000, which was like a lot. Um, and I, called my high school friends to come into the store because they were sending the email on their email, the banner ad, which you know, at, the point, at that point, there was some banner stuff I was running on the web in 96 that was getting 14% click through. Not point oh, you know, like just it was a different world, as it always will. As will the next three years of consumer voice be compared to 10 years from now. You guys are all gonna convert in a way that people be like one day like, when I had 5,000 Twitter followers, I'd get more retweets than when I had a million. It's just how it works a lot, right? Anyway, nonetheless, um, I had like hired four extra people, brought like seven friends. I thought we'd be packing and shipping all day. We were such a small shop. And 12 o'clock is when it was gonna go out. And it's 12.13 and we have like one order. And I'm like, like devastated and trying to figure out. And then I could, I'll never forget this moment. I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. It's nine o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. 
it's you know not 12, it's you know so whew. so I feel better for about 45 minutes until I get an email from this guy who sold me the ad. He's like, how's it going? Because they did send it at 9 a.m., 12 my time and I'm like, like you know when you have those, you know when blood rushes to your head and you can almost faint? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. It was when I realized, huh, open rates and, cl- you know, I didn't call it that, but open rates and click-through ratios were gonna matter too, not just how many you had. And, uh, and basically since then, and why I did so well in social was that was my second rodeo. I know that's when people got to know me, but that was my second rodeo. I learned a lot about shopping cart optimization and email, and, and so I think about the depth, not just the width. I, you know, you're not gonna care how many people have it, you're gonna care how many people do the right thing with it, and so I think a lot about that stuff. Um, so that's how I think about, why do I care about customer service? Because it's depth. Basically, I think about things very simply. I'm a really great marketer, that's what I'll be known for, but if your product blows, all my great marketing is gonna do is expose it quicker. The product is the product, it's the product, it matters, you know? And we do all these things around it to make it seem like it doesn't, but it does. And to me, depth and customer service, you can have 10,000 followers and, right? Yep. Nobody's paying their mortgage on likes. So you've gotta figure out what metrics matter, right? Watch what happens in the podcast space once all the data comes out now, right? Doesn't matter, you know, cool, you got in early and got a lot of subscriptions and they haven't unsubscribed, right? So a lot of people are about to be exposed. As you think about like how you built up your career, which it sounds like, I mean, it was was pattern matching. Like you saw this work there and again, now you reached a point where you're not just doing that for your own career, you're investing across different companies. If you could talk a bit about, you know, how you you kind of evaluate companies, what you've learned now as as an investor. the first three things I put my money into were Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. That's when I was not an investor. So I don't like talking about myself as an investor because I got progressively stupider, which is why I gave you the advice that I gave you. What I've learned in the last six years is, first of all, it's about the jockey, not the horse. I'm far more interested about knowing you and what you're about and how you roll because you gotta pivot and change and you know this. And like, it, it's, listen, if your idea is stupid, like, right, if, you, if your horse is like, you know, a, a horse on like those machines you put the quarter in, you gotta actually run a race, you're gonna lose. Like, it, you know, but, but it's stunning how, how important the CEO is, how important she and he is. It's just, it's stunning uh, for me six, seven years later, especially in this time, because you're gonna have to change. Like this, you know what's funny about new spaces like this? Some of the biggest wins are the ones that go from B to B to B to C and vice versa. Like literally just change your fucking business. And you as a CEO have to be the kind of person that can react to reality versus you're obsessed with the romance of your vision. So I'm spending a lot of time trying to get to know the person. Uh, Phil and I, Phil Toronto here who's done, who started as my assistant, does a lot of vesting and helped me run my last fund. We're not even invested, we haven't even invested in the last year. Poor Phil is like, wants to punch me in the face. Like, you know like, like because we think things are overinflated, everybody's a fucking entrepreneur, everything's an idea. I mean guys, let me just break it down for you and I know you're in it and I'm in it too. I, I like, like if you knew nothing, it is kind of interesting that an idea is worth four to five million dollars. That is what we're talking about. So it's very interesting times um, and I think, I'm glad Rai's question, we started with that. What I'm looking for is especially, because I want to invest in this space, 
who can get there in 36 months? Who can survive? Who can survive? And that's it because it's too early for it to hit too much. And there's too much that's unknown still. And you're still, I, I was, you know, obviously I got the uh, advantage of sitting with you for a few seconds. I'm super pumped to hear how many people are diverse, you know, and smartly, I figured that. I mean, I didn't think this was gonna be about just building skills and briefings, but I'm excited to get, and by the way, I'm excited to get educated myself about like the layers of like thinking against not being at the mercy of the, the platforms or how do you go around it. And, and then there's just like the things I remember, like, yeah, you know, you just thought Yahoo was gonna be the browser. You know, when I was, like, there was no thought that there was really even a chance of a Google coming along, you know? So it's cool. One of the things that I'm very fascinated about is it seems so clear who's gonna win this or who's gonna be the platforms. I have an enormous amount of curiosity of is there somebody that we're not thinking about jumping in, you know? Um, So I'm looking for people that are aligned with me specifically in this space of like, yeah, like I really have to be thinking about 36 months from now. There's just not gonna be enough users, enough discoverability, enough uh, adoption, and so what am I gonna do about it? And anybody who's just gonna rely on you know, the demo day or the introductions you guys make or they're gonna raise some capital is fine and I'll probably miss some good ones because that is a absolute blueprint to success. I guess I'm just looking for a little more ghetto, a little more scrappiness, you know? Somebody who's so obsessed with this being their lives. Do you know how many people are gonna be happy? Like, you know what bugs me the most? Is if tomorrow it all melted, I have millions of dollars sitting in the system in limbo. I'm just gonna get emails that are like, hey Gary, as you know, the world collapsed. You know, super, uh, super sad it didn't work out. Fucking sucks, Trump, what a dick, huh? Uh, and yeah, I'm going to business school, so we'll be shutting down next week. Need you to sign these. What? Well, Phil's bringing up a story that I will, you know, I wasn't even gonna go there because honestly, like you just said. Dude, my fucking, like he just said it and the insides of my stomach went hot. This dude sat in front of me. I'm, listen, I get that I've done it, but I I lived in a studio apartment with eight family members when we came to America. Like I, I had zero vacation days in my life in my 20s. I worked so hard to where I am now. This dude sits in front of me. I wrote him a $150,000 check, personal, and goes, look, we're gonna be shutting down the company. Meanwhile, you have to understand, complete left field, like literally a week earlier, dude's taking photos at Coachella. And he goes, look, we're gonna be shutting it down, just wanted to thank you, you know, like, just need you to sign some docs. He goes, so I'm like kinda sitting there, I'm like, you know, I'm like disappointed, but not like dead. I mean, I've lost a lot, it wasn't that. But then it got crazy. He goes, before I said anything, he goes, no, 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 don't worry. I learned a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you know, so, so I think, um, I don't, I'm not looking for that anymore. He learned a lot. Yeah, he, you know what, he, he didn't because I have very, my, if I had my dad's personality, he would have, I'm more like kind of like silent, but I like ate it, like, you're right, he lost because, and, and he lost with all the investors and these were like important, he was lucky, you know, he was charismatic and he was, it was that shtick. He had a lot of the good angels on it and losing your name is so crazy. But that's what's about to happen. When it, when it whatever happens, there's so much, there's ungodly amounts of non-businesses in our world of startup across all sectors. 
and people are gonna go back to McKinsey and go back to Harvard Business School. So I wanna add on to that. I, I had an experience a week ago with a, a founder who just had the idea, was raising you know, $2 million on an eight, um, but <laughs> only wanted to work with investors who invested in founders. And after that one hour coffee meeting, I had to decide whether or not I was gonna invest in him because there was so much interest in the company. Right. How do you kind of reconcile the you know, investing in people and kind of the timeline of the way that we figure in funders? Like how do you get to know founders? How do you? It, I run the gamut. I, my team will tell you that I pick too intuitively and too quick. Sometimes I can make a decision in one second. I basically married my wife eight seconds into knowing her. You know, like, so I can be pretty intuitive that way. However, I look for cues. Anybody that would tell me that was the rules of the engagement, I would tell them to go fuck themselves. You know, like, you're not gonna put a time limit on it. You know what I mean? Like, you could have told me after the fact, or after we had a nice meal, you could have emailed me kindly and be like, hey, I'm, I've got pressure and I'm gonna move. But like, that's just his psychology move to get people to make irrational decisions, which means I don't like you, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I can run the gamut. Sometimes it's people you've known for a very long time. Uh, some, other times it's just, you know, right? The reason you like a song the first time you hear it or fell in love or, or found your partner here. Like, it's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I'm overly intuitive and not analytical, so, you know, mine tend to be quick uh, or intuitive, and I'm okay with that as long, you know, for, I'm sure for the people that have been successful like me with that style, your wins so outweigh your losses, so you win in a macro. Um, I like dying, you know, one thing I would tell you, whether you're like me or completely the other way and everything's gotta be about the math or anything in between, it's just so much more fun to die on your sword than on somebody else's. So regardless of what, I think I'm a pretty compelling you know, communicator. If this is not intuitively what you believe, like, let it be. Like, you know, like, there's gonna be plenty of voices coming through here, plenty of opinions. If I could leave you with anything, just die on your own sword. It's better. Because then you don't have regret. And regret is poison. I wanna, I wanna ask all the questions. Anthony, you're up. What's up? You're up. I, um, this is kind of like Please. a little fanboy. But Go anywhere. I was wondering if you could like apply some of what you're saying to like one library TV days. Because for me, like that was life changing. Not only because I have wine snob with dad, I always want to talk different. <laughs> but also, I think it's like a good for me in my mind. It's a good practical example of applying some of the survival. Hundred percent. Like example I know. So if you could talk about. Of course, of course, man. First of all, first of all, anybody else that wants to recall those, those things, it makes me feel gr- amazing. So thank you. <laughs> Look, that was a perfect example. I saw, I saw YouTube. It was four months old. Nobody knew what the hell it was, and in one second of looking at him, like this is gonna fucking change the world, and. I, you know, I had never given a talk, you know, now this seems insane, but I'm 30 years old and I'd never given a public talk. I never was in front of a camera. I was a businessman. Like I didn't, you know, I was a good salesman. That's, this, that's where this shtick came from. But like, so why I thought it was a good idea to send one of my stock guys to Best Buy and get a camera and start a wine show. And the truth is, I immediately, you know, I am who I am. I thought I was gonna do QVC. I thought he was gonna come back. I was gonna pick three wines that we were sitting on that weren't moving or whatever the fuck, right? Put them in a camera and go. And literally from day one, he's setting up, we're setting up the table. I switch out the wines, I go with some pre, I know what they are, Verte wines, some real high-end wines. 
and the light goes on in the camera and I'm like, fuck man, if I go to a party in a year, this is all going, you know how fast, you could think of a million things really fast sometimes. If I go to a party in a year and somebody hands me a glass of wine and says, hey, try this, do you like it? I have to basically not be wrong. It can't be something that I told them was phenomenal. I'm like, this is shit. So basically, as I'm go, like, as I'm in the first minute, I can even, you know, it's funny. If I watch Wine Library episode one, yeah. and I made a thousand of them for you to give you guys context, I know exactly the moment in the first five minutes where I made the decision. Fuck, no selling. Every t- episode for the rest of my life. If I and it caused me so much headaches. Talk about the long game. I lost relationships. I'm, I'm, you know, there's people you do business with for 11 years, and you saw, you know how I did that show. I'm like, yeah. this, this wine tastes like a cow shit in your face, you know, like, like, you know, like they don't like that, you know, like, like, and so, um, it was, uh, it was super interesting, and nobody watched it for the first 17 months that I did it. Nobody watched it, just nobody watched it, and for the first eight years that I, 2006. 1998, for the first eight years that I ran my dad's wine business, every month the revenue grew more than 20% from the year prior's monthly revenue. Every month, and 50, 70, 100, but never a month that wasn't 20. The first month that I did Wine Library TV, it was flat. And then it started declining because all my energy was going. And so, you know, I was like, you know, that was a different level of survival than what you're dealing with. That was the the thought of declining or flattening versus growing was I using the best use of my time, but intuitively I knew that everybody would watch YouTube videos. Where I made a huge mistake was I made a financial one. If you remember this, there was a startup called Vidler that let you tag, it. so so everybody was making 30 second videos, I was making 20 minute videos. And I was tasting wines every seven minutes, so I, this startup came to me and offered me 7% of their company because I was like the breakout YouTube star to move over and exclusively go on Vidler and they had this tech that was IP protected of so you could just click the third wine and just start watching. YouTube didn't have that yet, you know, still, you know. So it was a huge mistake. It was the one time in my career I made a financial mistake. I picked finances over where I thought the market would spend their time. You know, and so, I just, you know, I knew, it, it, guys, you know this is gonna happen. Like, it's, it's super cool, like, this is fun for me, like, this is why I love innovation. You get that thrill again. I'm sure you have this feeling right now. Cause I have it with this space. It's that same feeling. You know, it's probably why discovering bands is fun, right? Like, I'm sure the people that are great at it, or like, when they see, like, when they see it, they see it. Like, do you know how cool it is that every one of you right now are either gonna have your thing win or in 10 years the thing you're working on right now in a different iteration is gonna win? Like either in 10 years you're gonna be like, let me tell you how I did it or you're gonna be like, hey, you know this thing that we're all doing? Yeah, I did that back in 2017. <laughs> we fucked it up but you know, it's, that's cool. You don't have that now in other spaces. You know? Hope you guys enjoyed it. Voice is the next frontier. If you're looking to leapfrog because you were late on social media, if you were late on Instagram or a vlog or a podcast, the voice platform, hope you enjoyed it. Leave a comment. What was the biggest takeaway? Hey guys, if you have an Alexa and you are not subscribed to the Daily V, excuse me, the Gary V365, then you are my worst friend. Gary V365. Hey Alexa, play my briefings. Come on, Alexa.
Oh, she's talking, but it's not very loud. Anyway, it worked. You can leave it there. Anyway, you have an Alexa, Gary V365. Download it now.